0: So let's spend some time together reflecting on this subject of epiphany and why it is still important 2,000 years on for us as a people of God here in Beaver Parish. We've come through the Christmas season, it's a time that's mixed with myth and reality and maybe we should just take a little time to separate some of the myths from the realities to focus on the real heart of Christmas. Here are some questions to get us started. Did Mary ride a donkey to Bethlehem? Did Mary arrive in Bethlehem the night she gave birth? And did Joseph or Mary talk to any innkeepers? Well, if you'd watched any children's nativity, the answer to all those three will be yes. But in fact, there's no evidence at all from the biblical text that any of those things happened. Uh, It's likely they did, but somehow the myth and the reality have come mixed together in the story of Christmas that we've grown up to accept. We've also accepted, for example, that Jesus was born in a stable. Well, in fact, the Greek word used and translated as stable in some versions could actually mean a cave or a small room to the side of a main house. And then think of some of the carols we sing, you know, little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I think those of us who've either been grandparents or parents will know that that probably is far from the truth. And yet somehow it makes for that nice Christmas feeling. What we do know is that it wasn't likely that Jesus was born on the 25th of December. There's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, It only came into the Christian calendar about five centuries after Jesus died. And also, if you take a very practical thing, the story tells us that there were shepherds out watching over their flocks by night. That will be highly unlikely in Israel on the 25th of December. We also know that there are no animals recorded. Certainly, Jesus didn't have a halo. We don't know if there was straw there. We don't even know what the inside of the stable looked like. But we do know that at the time of the birth, the wise men weren't there more of that later the first time that the word christmas or the mass of christ comes into the christian calendar is somewhere between the fourth and fifth century because up to that point it was the death days that were important but the christians were trying to christianize the world and so they took the uh, death date um, of it's called the birthday but it was the day that the pagan deity mithras was seen to be died and the christians took that and christianized it. And it's become the celebration of Christmas ever since. Boxing Day has grown up. A lot of people would refer to it as St Stephen's Day. But some of us call it Boxing Day still. It had nothing to do with boxes. And it traditionally would have been the time where an employer would have given his or her employees presents. Or richer people would have maybe given to the poor on that day. Christmas cards are relatively new to the Christian scene. Only having been less than 200 years old. So, the reality is the origins of Christmas are very misty, but the reality of Christmas is stress and temper and arguments, soaring credit card costs, new toys, and smart advertising. So, here's some thoughts at the core of this Epiphany is a feast in the Christian calendar celebrated on the 12th day, the 12 days of Christmas, and that would be traditionally the 6th of January. If you're a member of the Orthodox Church, you have Christmas later, 7th of January, and therefore your Epiphany would be later. But it's the time when Christians worldwide recognise and remember the visit of the wise men. The word Epiphany is a direct link lift um, from a Greek word, Epiphania. It literally means manifesting or showing. And in the Christian tradition, the word used for the manifestation or the showing of Christ to the Gentiles in this case the Magi. So what I'm going to do is work through 12 verses of Matthew, stop after each few verses and maybe offer a reflection of their significance. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the East came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. So what do we learn from this first? Well, we learn geographically that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Interesting it says in Judea, partly that's to do with prophecy, but partly it's to differentiate it from the other Bethlehem, which was in Galilee, believe it or not. Time, we're told here in Matthew's Gospel only, that Herod was still king. Now that dates it to no later than 4 BC because that's when Herod died. The event well we know this was an event recorded in matthew where the magi came because they saw the birth of christ as a fulfillment of prophecy but a lesser known fact perhaps is that the distance traveled by these magi could be up to 2700 kilometers and if you're uh, traveling in a camel train that's likely to have taken five to six months so what's the significance well bethlehem the house of bread. Jesus' birth here fulfilled prophecies from the Old Testament. It was the home of David. Magi, they came from thousands of kilometres away because they followed a star, and we'll develop that a little bit later. We're told that they came from the east. Sometimes when we read certain translations of the Bible, uh, it would be almost as though the star was in the east. We saw a star from the east, but actually it's not. It was the wise men, so-called, who came from the east. Traditionally, we've thought that's Mesopotamia or Arabia or Persia. In Christian tradition, they've become known as the three kings of the three wise men. And in fact, those words aren't used anywhere. The word Magi is an Iranian word. It can sometimes mean an astrologer or a magician. But some people have actually suggested that these people, these wise men were descendants of the Babylonian exile and were therefore Jews. None of these things we can prove but Christian tradition has said that there were three of them and that they were wise men and they were kings. What about the star? Some people have said it was a comet. Others have said it was the planet Jupiter. Some have even said it was the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn while others say it was an actual guiding star sent by God. In fact it doesn't really matter which of these it was. God used a star to guide the wise men. So what? Well, Jesus' birth in Bethlehem fulfilled prophecy. We know that the significance of that birth was worldwide. The Christian church 2,000 years later is still growing. We know that God chose this opportunity to reveal him outside the Jewish tradition to the Gentiles. We know that he was born to be worshipped because what the men did when they came was they worshipped him, as did the shepherds. But most importantly, God was born in a vulnerable state. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. So what happens next? Herod hears the, the, the visit of these men. He becomes agitated. Because he'd heard somewhere in Jewish folklore there was going to be another king of the Jews. That was the title the Romans gave him. Because obviously the area that he was ruling as a vassal king mostly was inhabited by Jews. So he was called king of the Jews. He thought another one was coming and obviously that would challenge his power. And you can imagine that if you upset the king. And this was a king who would had his sisters and some of his brothers killed. And had killed hundreds of people just because they annoyed him. You could imagine why the city would be agitated as well. So what does he do? He wants to find out what's going on. So he calls in all the religious heavies and he asks them about the birthplace. They must think this is a really odd thing. It's a very straightforward answer. He is to be born in Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy. So what? Well, God's plan upsets people and it still does today. I guess this shows us that all secular power is given under God and is transitory. We know that God writes his story and history and that God is sovereign. We know that God's plan isn't a lottery or a guessing game. The birth was foretold in prophecy. It was not, therefore, something that came out of the blue to the Jewish people. And we know that God uses and continues to use normal things in a miraculous way, like a star. Here's the quote. For this is what the prophet has written, this is the wise men the heavies are saying. In Bethlehem in Judea they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So what? Seven centuries before, a prophet Micah prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. We know that God's kingdom advances through what Tom Sign called the conspiracy of the insignificant some humble shepherds who came, these people who came from Arabia, the innkeeper, the people of the day. God didn't come in in a majestic procession. His son was born in a humble state and God continues to use the insignificant to advance his kingdom. God never leaves us unattended. Even though seven centuries had passed and people were still hungering after the birth of the Messiah, Seven centuries on it happened because God's plan is a long game and it's measured in centuries and not just the individual lifetimes of humans. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him report to me so I too may go and worship him. (laughs) So what? Well Herod talks to the Magi in secret to find out the birth time and it's interesting it was in the last two years more of that later he knows that Jesus is to be significant possibly the king of the Jews and what he tries to do is enlist the his scheme to find the king so he well he said he would worship him in fact we know he was going to kill him but God's kingdom caused dissent later in the same chapter in Matthew we're told that once Herod found out that the birth of Jesus had happened in the last two years Remember, they saw the star. It took them at least six months to get to the the family. It could have taken a lot longer to plan for the journey. But what Herod did was he had all male children under the age of two killed. Now, at that time, Bethlehem might have had five or six hundred inhabitants. So that could be anything from seven to two dozen male children. It doesn't have to be huge numbers. But God's kingdom caused so much dissent for Herod. And he knew that this particular child had been born in the last two years and he had all the males killed. But of course we know by that time that Mary and Joseph and the family had fled. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they'd seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So what? Well, they listened and they laithed. They'd no idea of what their intentions were, I'm sure at that stage they... A king called them in, he spoke to them, he said he wanted to worship this child. I don't know. The Bible doesn't give us any indication of what their intentions were after they left. The star appeared to move at this point and lead them onwards until it stopped. And when that happened, we're told they are overjoyed by the intervention of God. Do you know what just struck me when I was looking at this? Every day God intervenes and does amazing things and I wonder when the last time was that I was overjoyed by that. It's interesting in the biblical text, Jesus is not referred to as a baby as a child. That confirms the fact that the visit of the Magi happened somewhere before Jesus was two. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened her treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and mare. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route so we're told they arrived at a house and not a stable obviously after the census after all the crowds had been in bethlehem and they'd left there must have been vacancies around so they moved from whatever the stable was whether it was a cave whether it was a side room into a house it's interesting joseph's not mentioned here that they only talk about mary and jesus so joseph this um, shadow figure seems to have gone into the background We know that the response of the Magi was one of worship and they give him their gifts and we're told then that God intervenes again in a dream and tells him to go home by another route and obviously therefore they didn't alert Herod. We know that the family stayed on in Bethlehem for a little while and then when they realised there was danger they fled to Egypt until Herod had died and until his sons had been put on the throne. I think it's important to say that the reason that we talk about three wise men is because there are three gifts. And obviously we've grown up then that each person had a gift, there must have been three. Well the Bible actually doesn't say there were three wise men, it simply says there were three gifts. Now I've read all sorts of things about the significance of these gifts, you know, gold for a king, incense to show, you know, before a deity, and oil for embalming. I don't think we should be reading too much into this other than these were costly gifts. And finally, it just struck me that God used a star to astrologers and he intervened in a dream which would have been culturally significant for these magi. God doesn't bypass our culture or our experiences to speak to us today either. He doesn't always intervene in the miraculous way. And that's why sometimes we can miss him because he comes in the inconspicuous. He comes alongside us in the normal. So what about the real Christmas? Well, God draws near, unlike in other religions. God chooses a woman, unlike in other religions. And the one who sustains the world chose to be dependent on the nourishment of a young teenage girl. God challenges stereotypes about power and people and prestige. God chooses vulnerability to be born as a baby, holiness sleeping in a womb. The creator of life being created. God was given eyebrows, elbows, two kidneys, a spleen. He stretched against the walls and floated in the amniotic fluids of his mum. Clear the manure from around the manger. Wipe the sweat out of his eyes. Pretend he never snored or blew his nose or hit his thumb with a hammer. He's easier to stomach that way. There's something about keeping him divine that keeps him distant and predictable. But don't do it. Let him be as human as he intended to be. Let him into the mire and dirt of our world. For only if we let him in can he pull us out. Listen to him. Love your neighbour was spoken by a man whose neighbours tried to kill him. The challenge to leave family for the gospel was issued by one who kissed his mother goodbye in the doorway. Pray for those who persecute you came from the lips that would soon be begging God to forgive his murderers. I am with you always are the words of a God who in one instant did the impossible to make it all possible for you and me. It all happened in a moment, in one moment, a most remarkable moment. The word became flesh. Those words are the words of Max Licado. So what does all of this mean? It means that we should cut to the heart of Christmas. Set aside the myths and try just to recapture that joy of God intervening of God with us Emmanuel, of God among us, as God understanding us, as God loving us unconditionally, as God forgiving us and as God sending us. And I guess for me and for us the challenge is we should be epiphany people because there are people out there who will never hear of Jesus if we don't travel like the wise men did to bring the good news of Jesus to them. So once again Happy New Year and I hope every blessing will be upon all of us in 2022. Amen.